And welcome back, everybody, to Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. My name is Daniel Rogers, and I am your host. I have a quick announcement before we get started today. Um, I am posting all of my blog posts now to Substack. You can get the link in the description, but it's danielcrogers.substack.com. It is a free subscription, so if you'd like to subscribe, you can do it absolutely free. For those of you who um, do <laughs> give money to it, uh, monthly, like it gives you an option to, uh, just know that I will send you the podcast links early. So usually I schedule these things and I'll, and I'll send them to you earlier as soon as I record it instead of having to wait. So that's a perk, but it's not much of a perk because uh, you're going to get the podcast anyways. So, you know, it's it's more there for you to support the to support the podcast and the blogs anyways than it is for anything. In other words, you're going to get all the content if you just do the free subscription. All right. Okie dokie. So today we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper and the frequency of the Lord's Supper. Uh, this was a question asked just this morning on the Facebook page. So I thought I'd hop on and record the episode. Yesterday, which was Wednesday, I tried to record an episode for today and I got interrupted like six times. And so I gave up. Uh, it was time for Bible class. We had to go home and all this stuff. So yeah, I gave up on that. But this morning, I thought I had to be somewhere by 10, but now I don't have to be there until 11.30, and so I've got a pretty good while to record some stuff. So let's talk about the frequency of the Lord's Supper. Let's start with what I believe. Uh, let, me, let me change that. <laughs> let's start with what I prefer. I don't want you to get the idea that when I say what I believe, that I am suggesting something that is, uh, that's a demand. I'm not suggesting something that I think is how you have to do it. I'm giving you how I would prefer to do it, all right? Which means if you prefer to do it a different way, then have at it. It is my preference to take communion weekly, but in an ideal world, I would take communion more than once a week. I would take it at every meal uh, in which I was eating and fellowshipping with other believers. Uh, doesn't matter, breakfast, lunch, dinner, Whatever. Anytime I get together with other believers to break bread, I would like to ideally take communion. It's an ideal world, you know. And uh, I'd want to do that because whenever we gather together with other believers, our hearts and minds should always be going back to our faith. That doesn't mean that we have to have a Bible study every time that we get together or hang out or whatever. But I think it does mean that, you know, having that common acknowledgement that, hey, this is. This is sacred ground we're standing on here. Uh, this is a, a, a common bond we have that's, that's to the ages. It's going to go on for an eternity. Just taking a moment at each meal to, to thank the Lord for what he's done for us and who we are as his, his children in his body, I think would be a beautiful thing. But, you know, that's an ideal world. So that's, that's my preference. That's what I would like to do. All right. So now that I've got that out of the way, I want to talk to you a little bit about what the Bible says about the frequency of the Lord's Supper. And that was it. Okay, <laughs> we're done. The podcast is now over. There is no passage in the Bible that gives a command or an example about a weekly observance of the Lord's Supper. The command is not there. It is not something that is demanded by God that we take communion on a weekly basis. Okay? 
Uh, we're going to go to the passages here in a second. So I, I want you to keep that in mind. All right. But just, just know from the outset, you, if you find a passage and want to show it to me, that'd be great. Uh, but hang on, hang on with me here. There's no passage in the New Testament that says you have to do this every single week. There's no passage in the New Testament that tells you what the frequency is. This is a misconception, and this is something that's unfortunately divisive. Now, I don't think a Christian should take communion once a month or once a quarter or once or twice a year. I think we should take communion way more than we do now, actually, with the once a week thing if you grew up in the Church of Christ. I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> there is no passage telling us that we have to do something like it's a formal decree, and if we don't do it, we're going to hell, right? So let's, let's just go through the communion passages together. We'll start with Matthew. Um, Matthew chapter 26 is the first one. This is uh, the last Passover is the heading in one of the Bibles that I use. I run through like several different versions at one time, and so often I'll just use whichever one's open on my Bible software. Uh, but anyways... When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples, Matthew twenty six twenty. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Uh, for those of you who don't like conflict, whew, how about that? <laughs> Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And then uh, he explains that the one who dips his hand in the bowl with him is the one who's going to betray him, etc. But then he goes on and he says this in verse 26. While they were eating... Jesus took some bread after a blessing. He broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Excuse me. And when he had taken a cup and gave thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And that's it. That's it. He doesn't say anything in here about frequency, about time of day. He doesn't say anything here about uh, what happens to people who don't take it like he says they should. <laughs> he just says, hey, here's, here's some bread. This represents my body. Here's a cup. This represents my blood. And that's it. And I won't drink it new. I won't drink of it until I drink it of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, if you want a little something extra on that, uh, I'll post a link in the description about the Messianic banquet and how that ties into communion. And I think you'll really get a kick out of that. But as for now, let's just go on to Mark's account. All right. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. So again, we come to the uh, last Passover here. Again, Jesus says, hey, one of you is going to betray me. Right. This makes sense. These are the synoptic gospels. So a lot of the details here are going to be similar. So while they were eating, now notice that, while they were eating, I think that's, that's why I have the preference that I do, that we should take this meal uh, probably any time that we're uh, eating with each other. Just take a little bit of our food, take a little bit of our drink, and say, hey, let's remember the body and blood of the Lord. Now, the bread and the wine, they were common elements at the table, not only at Passover, but uh, at every table. And we always have bread at our tables, at least you know, maybe not like always, but there's always a, you know, a roll or some toast or something available, you know, and uh, we don't drink wine at every meal like they uh, would have been more uh, likely to do. But, you know, the idea is there. It's, I'm just saying that they did this while they were eating as part of their meal. And I think that's how we should do it as well. But let's keep going. So he took some bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. 
And he said, take, this is my body. When he had taken a cup and gave thanks, he gave it to them. They drank from it. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Then he says again, truly, I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. All right, I got to share a funny story here. There's not, there's not many new details to share here, so I'm going to share a story. Uh, my friend Dallas talks about a congregation that uh, one of his acquaintances went to speak at. And, you know, it kind of goes like ours does. You have the singing, and then you have the communion, and then you have some more singing, and then you have the, uh, you have the sermon. And Dallas said that when... <laughs> That when they were doing the, uh, the, the singing, that they afterwards they did communion, and then everybody got up and left. And the preacher was just sitting there in there like, uh, what's going on? Well, they said I was going to preach after the communion. What's happening? Well, then they all came back inside a second later, and he's like, what's going on out there? What y'all, what'd y'all go do? And they said, well, we had to follow the biblical pattern. After the communion, we went out and sang a hymn, and now we're back in to, do, to listen to your sermon. So, you know. I don't know how true that story is, but it's, it wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you? <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, Luke 22, Jesus tells him to go prepare the Passover. And he says that he, he earnestly desired to eat the Passover with them. Now get this in verse 17, uh, Jesus takes a cup and gives thanks. He says, take it and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. So he actually divides the cup first. And then he takes some bread, gives thanks, breaks it, says, take, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he says in verse 20 that he took the cup and he says, this cup, which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So by the way, he took his cup, right? He had already divided the cup up. Uh, you know, he divided it among everyone and then he took his cup. So they all had their own individual cups. This isn't, you know, some people talk about you should only have one cup when you take communion. Uh, this this kind of shows that it's a little bit different than that. He had already divided the cup up, and now they take their own individual cups, like you know, like normal people, <laughs> and drink out of their own cup because uh, they're having a meal. All right. So he says, "This cup is poured out for you as a new covenant in my blood. Behold, the the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed." And then they had a big fight about who was the greatest, which is always a good thing to do to follow communion. Uh, John doesn't give us too many more details about this. Uh, it's more focused on the foot washing and things like that. But we have another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 we're going to go to before getting into uh, some of the texts in the book of Acts. So, in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse, oh, we'll say verse 17 and following, there was a problem at the church of Corinth. Uh, they had this thing called a love feast. Jude talked about that. They would come together, share a common meal, and in the course of the meal, they would take communion. But what happened is that some of the rich would show up a little bit earlier than some of the poor working folks who got off work late. You know, they're having to, uh, to really work to be able to earn their living. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> earning a living, by the way, isn't that kind of paradoxical uh, from a Christian's perspective? Life is a gift, Eternal life is a gift from God, and yet we talk about earning a living, uh, you know. So anyways, uh, some of them were getting there a little bit later, and the rich people had already eaten up all the food and drank up all the good stuff, and of course the poor people don't have as much to bring, and so one goes away full, and the other goes away hungry. 
And he says, this is bringing shame upon you. If you're hungry, just eat at the house. If you can't wait, just go ahead and eat at home. Why are you going to bring shame upon the church of God and bring shame upon those who have nothing? I'm not going to praise you in this. So what was meant to be a meal that would benefit all the congregation and especially lift up uh, the poor among the congregation had become uh, a way for the rich to get together and party before the poor ever even got there. Then they ended up being more hungry uh, after they left than they were when they got there. And Paul says, that's not how you're supposed to do the Lord's Supper. So he goes on and he talks about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 and following. He said that in the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it, said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So notice, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup. Again, there is no comment in here about the frequency. He just says, as often as you do it, right? And he, he, he warns, he says, you have to be careful that you don't uh, you judge yourselves by taking and eating of this bread or drinking of this cup un, unworthily, right? But the point is, he says, as often as you do it. He doesn't say uh, once a week or twice a week or five times a week or once a month or whatever. He says, just as often as you do it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right. That's all the passages in the New Testament about the initiation of the Lord's Supper, which Matthew said, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, while they were eating 1 Corinthians 11 after the supper. I just want to point out there's a little difference there, right? See, you see that? Uh, so let's go back to Acts and notice a few things. So um, Acts yeah, 3,000 who are added to the church, which is a callback to the Exodus of the 3,000 who were slain at the base of Sinai. And in verse 43, uh, sorry, in verse 42, we read that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And someone will say, ah, see, there's, there's the five acts of worship. <laughs> the, the only act that's not mentioned there is singing. Uh, but, you know, that's reading into the text something that we just came up with there's no such thing as official five acts of worship in the New Testament. We do not have a book of Leviticus in the New Testament to teach us how we are to worship. Okay. Uh, but here in Acts chapter 2, notice the expression breaking of bread. So people look at this and they say, ah, yes. Matthew, Mark, Luke, 1 Corinthians. Jesus took bread and broke it. This must be a reference to the Lord's Supper. Okay, so we read that. We keep reading. Everyone had a sense of awe. They gathered all their possessions and, and uh, shared them among each other. Some were selling their possessions and giving to the poor. Really good situation here. Notice, notice uh, none of this is applicable, right? <laughs> yeah, this, this part about the five acts of worship. Oh, yeah, you better hold on to that. And if you don't hold on to, on to it, you're going to hell. But, hey, when it comes to selling our possessions... Oh, this was situational. Yeah, we don't need to. Ooh, we don't need to do this. Come on, this is come on, this is situational, right? <laughs> don't don't pay attention to verses forty-three to forty-five. All that parts about wonders and signs and having all things in common, common and selling property and giving to the poor. Ooh, yeah, don't worry about all that. But come to verse forty-six. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. What were they doing in the temple every day? 
Were they just like hanging out? <laughs> like, you know, just chilling? Like, hey, here we are. You guys want to meet up at the temple and, uh, you know, <laughs> play bingo? <laughs> like, I don't know, whatever. They didn't have Call of Duty back then. I don't guess they had bingo back then either. What are they doing in the temple? He only says they're continuing with one mind. Well, <clears throat> you look at uh, some of the passages in Philippians, like Philippians 2, Philippians 4 even. He talks about them having one mind. And he's talking about their, their life in Christ together. What are they doing in the temple? Come on. They're worshiping. Are they not? Then he says, day by day, they were breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Now, somebody would say, well, hold on now. The breaking bread in verse 46 and the breaking bread in verse 42 are different. Verse 42, breaking bread, that's the official Lord's Supper that must be done on the first day of the week, every week. And they would say, but the breaking bread in verse 46, that's just a common meal. Ah, you, they're just getting together to eat. This isn't about worship. Okay, well, hold on a second. First off, they're in the temple, and they're not in the temple just hanging out. They're in the temple to worship. Uh, that's why Paul went to the temple in Acts chapter 21, and that's why they were going to the temple. They did not stop being Jews in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 21 actually says that the believers in Jerusalem were still zealous for the law. They did not stop being Jews in Acts chapter 2. They did not stop worshiping according to the law in Acts chapter 2. It might be hard to get your head around, and we could probably do an uh, episode on that. But just go read Acts chapter 21 and see what's going on there. The elders and the apostles, they fully expected uh, the Christian believers who were Jews in Jerusalem to continuing worshiping God according to the way of their fathers. Even Paul said that a couple times. But, you know, let's just, <laughs> let's just keep, keep going here. So they're breaking bread from house to house. All right, taking their meals with, together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And what are they doing? Praising God. So you have a reference to the temple in verse 46, and then they're praising God in verse 47. How is this passage not about worship? We just don't want it to be about worship because we want communion to be week by week and not day by day. Because we view the Bible as a, uh, the New Testament especially, as a rule book that, that lays out the, a pattern of worship, if we read this as worship, which is what it is, they're in the temple and they're praising God, then we would have to conclude that one would be under obligation to meet daily, to take communion daily, and to praise God daily and eat meals together. We don't want that though, do we? We want to meet once a week because that's convenient because we can give God an hour out of our week or maybe three hours and be okay. But day by day, Eating all of our meals together, whew, that'd be a that'd be a huge demand. And so we say, oh, this is just common meals. This was just contextual. They they had to do this because uh, they they had nobody else in the world. They just had faith in Jesus, and so they had they had to stick together. Well, why don't we have to stick together? <laughs> if the world's as bad as the news anchors say it is, and if people's Facebook posts say it is, well, then my goodness, shouldn't we be meeting together daily and taking communion daily like they were doing in Acts 2, 46 and 47? Why is the breaking bread in verse 46 different from the breaking bread in verse 42? Come on. You don't think that they were praying every day in verse 42? You don't think that they were attending to the apostles' teaching every day? They just did that on Sunday? <laughs> like, they weren't, they weren't dedicated to fellowship every day? Come on. 
He says they were continually devoting themselves. They were doing this every day. It wasn't every first day of the week. They were doing it every day. That's the whole point of verses 42 to 47. The gospel had completely taken over their lives for the better. They found a new way to live. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Because we don't have mentions of communion anywhere else, by the way. And I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I'm just going to just do uh, a quick little word search here on the word break. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's, it's mentioned in Acts chapter 2. And it's not mentioned again until... Acts chapter 20, as, as far as I can tell. But let's look. Now, there's a, there, let me go ahead and say there's a disagreement here. He says, on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. Now, some have a question about whether or not this was, uh, this was on Saturday night or Sunday night, basically. But while there's disagreements on it, from what I can tell, Luke told time uh, with the Greek time, whereas others told time from more of a Hebrew perspective. And so uh, this is talking about late Sunday night and early Monday morning is how Luke counts time. So they gathered together to break bread, first day of the week. Uh, by the way, the literal translation of this, if you look at the Second Testament by Scott McKnight, uh, it's on the first day of the Sabbaths, <laughs> which, is, which is an interesting idea. Uh, but you know, we're not really going to Focus too much on that. On the first day of the Sabbath, we are gathered together, we're gathered to crack bread. <laughs> What's happening? Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. So they gathered together to break bread. Paul preached until midnight. So if this is, uh, you know, Sunday night, understand that he's preaching until uh, Monday. <laughs> right? Like 12 of him. Okay. He says, there's many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled for his life is in him. When they had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten he talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. So, what's going on here? Well, they get together on the first day of the week, Sunday evening. Paul preaches until midnight. Now we are in Monday. A man falls out of the window. He goes down, raises him from the grave, raises him from the dead, goes back up, breaks bread, talks with him until daybreak, and then leaves. So you have Paul gathering together to break bread on Sunday, but not actually eating the broken bread until early Monday morning before dawn. The passage that's most commonly used to defend a every Sunday taking of the Lord's Supper and demanding that upon every other Christian and every other church, uh, and if they don't do it, they're going to hell. In this passage, Paul doesn't even eat the broken bread until early Monday morning because he's preaching until midnight. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he went over a little bit. Like, what would happen if we took communion after the sermon and we got together at 10.30 and I preached from 10.30 to midnight and we didn't even take communion until like 12.30 a.m.? You know, people would be upset. <laughs> people would be a little bit angry with me, right? Okay, let me show you another thing here, though, because we have to do this. 
Uh, someone would say, well, hold on, Daniel, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also on the first day of every week, oh, every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. Now, someone would say that this passage authorizes taking up a contribution every first day of the week, and some would say only on the first day of the week. No fares, no bake sales, no yard sales, no car washes, no dropping off a check on Tuesday. Although if you give your check on Sunday and they don't cash it until Wednesday, is that giving on the first day of the... Okay. Um, <laughs> what do we do with this? Well, first off, giving in 1 Corinthians 16 is not about some kind of regular contribution. Keep in mind, in Acts chapter 2, how they did it was anytime somebody had a need, they would just fulfill that need. Anytime they needed to do something, they would just take up a collection and do it. The reason why we need weekly co collections is because uh, we have buildings and we have fellowship halls and we have paid staff. I'm, I'm putting myself included in that. And, there, and there's uh, light bills and water bills and gas bills and insurance and taxes and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so we need a weekly contribution because we're a business. They needed a regular contribution because they were a family and there were people who needed to be taken care of, including the ministers. Paul said on several occasions that like he wrote to the church at Philippi and was like, hey, can y'all send me some more money because I'm in prison and it's tough. Uh, but, you know, he told the church at Corinth the same thing, that ministers, you know, were, were, worthy, of, were worthy of pay because of what they were doing. But they didn't need a weekly contribution uh, to keep up the light bills and to pay for the building and the property tax and whatever. The reason for the weekly contribution here in 1 Corinthians 16, if we read all of verse 2, is so that no collections be made when I come. In other words, hey, from the time that you get this letter to the time that I come, could y'all take up a collection? And that way when I get there, you know, that, that you can just pay me and I don't have to go around to everybody and say, hey, what's going on? Where's <laughs> where's the money at? Go knocking on doors, right? Just get it all together now. And that way, when I get there, I can just go ahead and get it. He says, when I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. What's he talking about here? Well, if you look at the book of Acts, there were some needy saints in Jerusalem. There was a, there was a famine. And this was a way to send... Uh, money to them to assist them and to help bridge the gap between the Gentile church and the Jewish church because there was some trouble there. If you read uh, the book of Acts and, and chapters uh, in the Bible like Galatians 2 and Romans 1 through 3 and Romans 9 through 11, you'll see there's a little bit of strife uh, between some of the people in the Gentile church and some of the people in the Jewish church. This collection was a way to help heal those wounds and bridge that gap. So, so using this as a way to go back to Acts 20 and say, ah, see, they're on the first day of every week, it doesn't really work. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. First off, in Acts 20, they didn't even take the mill until the next day because uh, Paul preached until midnight. But second, this contribution wasn't to be a permanent thing. It was a fundraiser until Paul came so that he wouldn't have to go house to house and take up a collection. They gave on an as-needed basis, right? 
anytime somebody had a need, anytime there was a needy saint, and there always was a needy saint, when Jesus said the poor will always be with you, it wasn't a defeatist kind of pessimistic attitude about the state of the world. It was a challenge for them to, to seek out and to help people who are in need, right? I might do a podcast on that if you want. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they would give as needed. And, and sometimes that meant daily. Uh, at least that's what they were doing in Acts chapter 2. Constantly finding a need and fulfilling it. Which is, I think, what we ought to do as well. Uh, but since church operates as a business in the 21st century, our practices are a little bit different. And it's tempting to go to the Bible to find justification for those practices. So communion, frequency, as often as you do it. <laughs> which, which may be different for you than it is for me. For me, it's every Sunday. Ideally for me, it would be every time I got together with other Christians to eat. I like that uh, Brian Zahn's church, a Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace podcast guest, they do their communion every Sunday, but they also have a, a communion service every Wednesday that they live stream, which I think is pretty cool. Some churches, of course, offer communion every day. Uh, but as for me and my house, we'll take communion on the first day of the week. And if I can convince other crazy people to do it along with me, uh, sorry if that's an ableist term, I'm not, I'm still learning. Um, then we'll do it uh, as often as we get together. How about that? There's some thoughts on the frequency of communion. Hope you have an excellent day. Don't forget to subscribe to my new Substack. And if you haven't already, check out my book, How a 25-Year-Old Learned He Wasn't the Only One Going to Heaven. I've got a few copies uh, right now in my office sitting in a box, and I don't know how many there are, but if you want one for $10 instead of for $15, why don't you message me? Uh, $10 plus shipping, and I will send it to you instead of $15 plus shipping. That's $5 off. So just send me a message through Facebook or through my website, and I can get you a copy of that book for $10 plus shipping. So say like say like $13 or like $12.50. Anyways, have a great day. God bless, and I'll see you on the next episode.